Chelsea Fairless. And welcome back to another episode of the Every Outfit Pod. Chell, how you doing? I'm fine. I'm in shock because of that photo you just showed me. Yeah, a little uh, behind the pod. I was showing Chelsea on the Daily Mail, they have these, remember this person? And I was remarking that if I had any little ounce of fame, which will never happen, but like my fear is that in 20 years, it's like a very bad paparazzi photo of me, like bloated with, I don't know, an STD medication coming out of CBS. And it's like, remember this person? <laughs> and I was like, that's so insulting. Cause of course everyone knows that's Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And you went, what? I was not. Not prepared for what I saw. It happened to Leonardo DiCaprio. It's happened to Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Twink death is hard for a child star. Okay, Joseph Gordon-Levitt is still hot, though. He looks like like a pod John. He looks like John Lovett now. John Lovett is so much hotter than him. You're crazy. He looks like a writer for Crooked Media now instead of the, <laughs> the, the teen beat sensation. It must be so weird to have like everyone be like horny for you when you're like 10. And by everyone, I mean like other 10-year-old girls <laughs> and the genders and the, what did Rihanna say? Gender appropriations. Wow, I've never heard that before. More where my mind is going to is like maybe Jonathan Taylor Thomas should have been in May, December and that would be like his role to come back into the entertainment industry. He doesn't want to, though. Like, I have to appreciate someone who's like, I did it all before I was the age of 18, and I'm done. And unlike Ben Savage, do you get these text messages? Oh, my God. (laughs) For those of you who don't live in Los Angeles, Ben Savage, a Boy Meets World fame, is running for mayor of West Hollywood? I really should know because he spams me all day long. Oh, Ben Savage for Congress. Okay. I think he was running for mayor of West Hollywood, and now he's- He lost, though, I believe. See, Hollywood- and politics are very similar. When you fail, you just go for a higher position next time. (laughs) It's Ben Savage for Congress. I'm noticing that he was either photoshopped or he took a photo in front of that universal outlook on Mulholland. (laughs) Babe, that is not a real photo. The fact that you're even (laughs) contemplating that that is a real photo is fully deranged. In other Los Angeles news, we had quite the cultural experience this week. I basically got an in-real-life experience of BravoCon. Yeah. A.K.A. Kathy Hilton's sponsored Christmas party. The amount of people that slid into my DMs who I have not spoken to since high school because I posted about that event, which we should say we were kindly invited to. It was a direct TV slash Kathy Hilton Christmas party slash celebration of women in reality TV at Kathy's house. I thought perhaps because it was a direct TV event that they would have rented a house and been like, it's Kathy's Christmas party. Guys, this is Kathy Hilton's actual house. How do I know this? Because I've fucking seen it on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and her architectural digest tour from last year where she goes through all of her Christmas decorations. And guess what? Those Christmas decorations were still in her house. She has so many Christmas trees, guys. Like, it's incredible. I know. Were you jealous? I was jealous. I only have one. Here's the thing about Kathy Hilton's house and her Christmas decorations is unlike a Kardashian who I, who I cannot wait to see their unveiling of all of their Christmas trees, she is definitely the driving creative force 
And she uses the same decorations every year. And I appreciate that about her. Like I was looking to you, we were at the downstairs bar, not to be confused with her upstairs bar. And there was this wreath that was filled with like 1950s-esque Christmas decorations. And I looked at you and I was like, if this was a Kardashian house, their like tree interior designer would have sourced all of that. But like, you know that Kathy got that 30 years ago. Oh, absolutely. My favorite decorating detail for the party was the fact that she trucked in all of this fake snow. It was real snow. It just like did not come from the sky, you know, and put it around her pool. She made a whole ass winter wonderland. So having grown up in Los Angeles, I always heard about Tori Spelling. She would tell stories of she would wake up Christmas Day and they would have all this fake snow. This was not just fake snow. It was legit ice, which was all around where you sat down. So you had to walk on ice. We almost died at Kathy Hilton's house is what we're trying to say. Okay, I did take notes, which you made fun of me for, just because I wanted to remember everyone that was there. (laughs) There was Josh Peck, who you were like, who the fuck is this? Tat lost her mind because we're a little too old for Josh and Drake. That's what it was called, right? I don't fucking know. So she was in heaven. I know him because he has a podcast now. He also has, as I explained to you, a very consequential role in Oppenheimer, which is very disorienting when you watch the film. He's literally the one that presses the button. (laughs) Wow. That's like the only role to have, I guess, aside from Oppenheimer. Honestly, Josh Peck is very us in the sense that like he has a podcast where he talks about getting like lap band surgery at 21 but then also he's in an oscar nominated film or a soon to be oscar nominated film wow he sounds cool i wish we talked to him he was too busy talking to former bachelor contestant nick vale or volley i don't know how to say his name and his very cute pregnant girlfriend oh she was major loved her she had a skirt and sweater top with an exposed belly which she was adorable there was larsa pippen former best friend of the kardashians okay her i recognized right but you did not recognize her partner who i had to explain to you is michael jordan's son michael jordan played with scotty pippen who got married to larsa pippen she is now dating michael jordan's son i love that i want to get through a few other people before because i know (laughs) no no no, i know we want to sit down and talk about one person in In particular, there was Crystal Minkoff and her husband and Crystal's brother, who I'm like, wow, they really do all hang out with each other. Cool, cool. How am I forgetting? The Selling Sunset Girls. Brie and Emma, who I did have the courage. I was like, guys, I love this current season. I did drop my phone while saying this, so it wasn't as cool. (laughs) Oh, that's who you were talking to. (laughs) And then there was Meredith Marks and her husband, who was wearing a suit and a hoodie. Like, he was wearing a suit and then a hoodie underneath the suit. I don't know how you felt about that. It depends. Because I think if it's a really oversized hoodie and a really oversized suit, I love that look. But if it's, like, fitted, I don't know about that. I don't feel good about that if it's fitted. It was very fitted. I did have one of those deranged parasocial moments where I'm like, oh, wow, they really do spend time together. Good for them. (laughs) Well, I love seeing Meredith Marks because I actually do know who she is. Can we get into, I did not know this, that you and Ted find her very attractive. Yeah, well, if you have to pick one, except for I still don't know if it's her or Lisa. You picked Meredith because she was there, but I feel like you would want to be in a Meredith-Lisa Barlow sandwich. Yeah, that would be ideal. And Meredith Marks was there not just to be celebrated, but also 
to show off her caviar, which I had no idea Meredith Marks had a caviar line. Pretty good. It was delicious. Did we have any <laughs> other way to feel about it after waiting 25 minutes in line? No regrets. You just regret that you dropped your caviar the second it was handed to you. Oh my God, guys, we waited nearly <laughs> a half an hour. So we were waiting in line for this caviar on a potato and we each got two and I picked it up in my little butter fingers. It just slipped out of my hand. like Onto the icy snow. I didn't say this in the moment, but Chell, I did briefly. I was like, <laughs> does the five second rule apply here? <laughs> but I just let it go. No, not at Kathy Hilton's house. Surely not. We did see Rick Hilton on the way out and Tad did say, great party, Rick. <laughs> You spend some time around these people, you know, you start thinking like we're friends now, right? (laughs) I do see what people are talking about when they talk about hating LA. (laughs) Okay, that's so rude. There are people, especially actors, I hate when they're like, all people want to talk about in LA is, you know, acting and Erewhon and just it's so self-absorbed. And I'm like, wow, that's a real self-report. Like there's tons of people in Los Angeles that have nothing to do with influencer culture or entertainment. Yeah, people who recently moved from New York. And then I looked around at all of these people making content and I went, nah, I see what I see what these people are talking about. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. A real cultural experience, even for Los Angeles residents. I've never seen anything like it. Also, I love that we both like had to wear blazers and trousers because it would just be too weird to wear a dress around that. Yeah, there certainly was no dress code because it like went from like Fashion Nova to nightgown or we were the three people rocking a little Diane Keaton look. This was a very slow news week and we were like, what the fuck are we going to talk about today? So we did an Ask Us Anything post on Instagram. We have selected our favorite questions to discuss today, but we have a shitload of them. So this is going to be a bit of a rapid fire episode. Oh no, I want to dig in to each (laughs) extensively. This is probably the worst idea we've ever had, but you know, we'll We'll see. see. You brilliantly have organized them by category, which I appreciate. First category up, of course, pop culture. Fuck, Mary kill, family stone edition. And we decided to do this gendered, so I'll take the men and Chelsea will take the women. Why can't I have both? All right, be pansexual about it. I don't care. I'm so pansexual about fuck, Mary kill. All right, I think you gotta fuck Dermot Mulrooney. Yeah, obviously. Mary Luke Wilson. Okay, but that means you have to kill the gay brother, and he's so nice. No, I'm gonna kill Craig T. Nelson. <laughs> he's getting up there in age. <laughs> Okay, I guess that would be my pick as well. My fuck, Mary kill, I'm killing Rachel McAdams because she gaslit her family into thinking that Sarah Jessica Parker did a racist pantomime during that family game of charades. She's also a bad hang in general. Also, when she's gone, I will be stealing her Dinosaur Jr. t-shirt. Kill Meredith, Sarah Jessica Parker's character, before she gets drunk at the bar. But I would marry her character after she gets drunk at the bar. Oh, nice. Because as we've discussed before, Sarah Jessica Parker's character undergoes a abrupt personality change (laughs) three quarters of the way through this movie. An alcohol-induced lobotomy. Do you think that Tom Cruise deserves an Oscar? The answer is yes. But are we talking about, are we trying to peg previous roles that he should have gotten an Oscar for? Because that's Frank T.J. Mackey from Magnolia. That was his shot. 
to get Best Supporting Actor. I don't know why he didn't. Because Michael Caine fucked him. Michael Caine. He did not need that Cider House Rules Oscar. Yes, but are you saying that he deserves an Oscar for his work in the Mission Impossible films as he truly is daring gravity to kill him? Also, yes. I think he should have gotten at least a Golden Globe nomination for Tropic Thunder. Yeah, that's why they have the goddamn comedy category, of course. Now, my hope and my hope for this is kind of dwindling as it seems like he won't stop making action films until they kill him. You mean until he dies during like a stunt or something? Yes. I was hoping that he was going to do these Mission Impossible films until he was like 60 and he's like, all right, this is enough. My body cannot do this anymore. And then he would just transition into being a character actor. And like, that's when he would get his Academy Award. But he's been in a lot of Oscar-y type movies, like Born on the Fourth of July. Also, Rain Man, he was phenomenal in. But like, no one fucking noticed him because of Dustin Hoffman, you know? really stole his thunder but you can't compete with that shit no sorry my mind went back to tropic thunder and that whole speech and then he's in tropic thunder and it's you know all right next question chelsea if you could keep one of your celebrity barbies which would you choose i don't even have to think about this i would definitely choose my tippy hedron in the birds barbie because it's the best barbie they've ever made there are little like plastic crows attacking her it's pretty good so I could set the rest of your Barbies on fire as long as I don't set that one on fire. Not that one. That's my favorite. Okay, Lauren, who would play you in a biopic? Okay, I have three selections, two of which people have said I look like. And then one is just dream casting. Gabby Hoffman. Oh, that's good. Because if you remember, there was that time I was in a Pilates class and the instructor went, hey, has anyone told you that you look like Adam's crazy sister from Girls? Which is very different than saying you look similar to Gabby, Gabby Hoffman. Hoffman. Yes. There is also an actress named Molly Bernard who was on Younger that a lot of people still to this day like, couple times a year, people will be like, hey, does anyone tell you you look like this person? Has anyone told you you look like Jodie Foster and Nell? (laughs) No, did that happen to you? (laughs) No. (laughs) Sorry, I was just trying to think of something crazier than, fuck, what was his character's name? Adam. (laughs) Oh, Adam? Yes. In Girls, his character name was Adam? Yes. Because Jessa has that line of like, oh, yes, he does look like the first man. And then dream casting, you know how when they do movie versions of true life events, it's always a hotter, cooler version of yourself. Yeah. If we're going with that, then I'm picking Anne Hathaway. I could totally see that. She would slay as you. Thank you. I have a couple options for you, but I want to hear your picks first. Well, no, what do you what do you think? The dream casting, I think, is Kirsten Dunst. Okay, yeah, I could totally see that. I could see her embedding with you trying to pick up all your mannerisms. (laughs) And then this is a bit of a left field choice, but Ashley and or Mary-Kate Olsen coming out of retirement to play you. Wow, I should be so lucky. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. All right, who did you pick for yourself? The Hollywood version of me would be like Julia Garner. Okay, yeah. You know what I mean? I, I see that. If we're going any time period... I think Winona Ryder would slay. Oh, as me. Or of like a young Ileana Douglas. Any bug-eyed actress. That's that's <laughs> me. What is your Roman Empire, Chelsea? Mine is Liza Minnelli and David Guest's wedding. So not the marriage, just the wedding. Just the, the wedding, yeah. I think about it constantly. And I'm very grateful that I have all of the tabloids from that week. So when I'm looking at you and you're just looking off in the middle distance, that's what you're thinking about? Yep. My Roman Empire is the omnipresence of Joseph Gordon-Levitt 
in almost every movie in the early 2010s, or at least that's what it felt like, and the complete drop-off of his career afterwards. Like, a drop-off in such a brutal way you would have thought that he got cancelled, but it seems like we culturally, like, just got the ick. But why? I think I know. It's a few factors. One, he directed and wrote a film called Don John that came out in 2013. He then picked up several directing jobs that never came to fruition. So I think he spent years just doing that. I think it's a little bit of, like, the male and Hathaway effect where he just, like, really was into Hollywood. I don't know if you remember he hosted SNL and he did this bit where he recreated the make him laugh from was it Sigan in the rain where he like literally jumped a wall like he ran up a wall okay that sounds major it's major but it's like intense energy okay that's not intense energy if you're literally doing a parody of singing in the rain like that's what people want i also think that he was market corrected by ryan gosling and adam driver i think they kind of took the roles he would have taken but wait wasn't he in inception or did i just make that up he's in inception but that's what i'm saying is like after 2013 like he was the guy he oh was god is that when inception came out yeah chow Ooh, fuck that is rough i could have sworn that was like five years ago but here's the fucked up part chelsea he's been consistently working Would you be surprised to know that Joseph Gordon-Levitt has been in two limited series and has had three supporting roles in films in the last three years? Okay, but this shit, like, happens. Like, I remember on a previous episode of the podcast, we were talking about Selma Hayek, and we were like, she just doesn't want to act. And then people were like, she's literally in movies all the time. We just haven't seen any of them. That's true. I don't think we want to watch Project Power with Jamie Foxx on Netflix that came out in 2020, of which he's the second lead of that film. Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Yes. <laughs> Chelsea, I... Okay, so... <laughs> so he is making movies. We're just... We just don't know about them. He had this lead-up to be like an Adam Driver-esque Ryan Gosling. Okay, next question. Because you're going to talk about your Roman Empire for 10,000 years. Oh, speaking of which, how does Chelsea feel about Taylor essentially denying Gaylor? My opinion is unchanged. <laughs> A single statement does not negate all the evidence. However, I want to clarify, I'm not actually gayler in the sense that, like, I don't think that she's gay. Okay. I think that she's bisexual. Oh. And there's a distinction there, or so I've heard. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Basically, what she said is, I thought if I only hung out with my female friends, no one could sexualize that, but it turns out that people could and people would. This statement reminds me of a certain sentiment that she's expressed where I I think we've touched upon this on the podcast before, where she has this mentality where she thinks that everyone thinks she's a slut because she dates a lot of guys. But actually, it's like no one thinks that. Well, that's also my core issue with the Reputation album and her press around that, where it's like, I'm the villain and everyone's made me the villain. It's like, no, they haven't. The Taylor Swift is over party hashtag was pretty intense. But the love for her outweighs the hatred for her. But yes, she has a bit of a, dare I say, victim complex. Anyway, favorite Taylor Swift song. What's yours? Oh, I'm allowed to have one? Yes. I think Getaway Car. You know what? Getaway Car is incredible. I think I have to go with All Too Well, but Getaway Car might be my number two. The 10-minute version? Oh, God. Imagine if there was a 10-minute version of Getaway Car. That would be incredible. I cannot wait for the reputation reissue. I do have to say, because I actually haven't told you this, my father has recently become obsessed with Taylor Swift, but 
only the all too well 10 minute video and performance on SNL. And now he knows everything about Taylor Swift. Great. That's an excellent entry point. Although I did send him getaway car. I was like, oh my God, here's my favorite song. And he just replied back. They kind of all sound the same. Well, to be fair, she has released several songs that sound like Getaway Car in one way or another, but I think Getaway Car is the is the idealized version of that song. Okay, next question. What films would you recommend that are similar to Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion? Of course, Clueless, but if you like Romeo and Michelle, I feel like you've definitely seen Clueless. I think Bottoms is a good modern send-up to Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Set in high school. About outcasts. My other recommendation would be if you're looking for a kind of alt high school reunion film, I'd say Gross Point Blank, which came out around the same time. Yeah, that was a good movie. I haven't seen that in ages. Yes, John Cusack plays a hitman, very Barry-esque, who goes to his high school reunion and is reunited with his his love, played by Minnie Driver, who he ditched on prom night. And then just for color palette, it's a fun movie, but it's also very dark. I would say Jawbreaker, just for the style, feels very reminiscent of Romeo and Michelle. Yeah, I agree with all your choices. I'm also going to add Never Been Kissed. Because it employs flashbacks to traumatic high school experiences in a similar way. And I think it holds up. I do too. Do we feel weird that Michael Vartan's character, unbeknownst to what's going on, is falling in love with a teenager? So he thinks. True, but Josie is clearly very mature. For her. (laughs) (laughs) Also, remember when Lily Sobieski was in every movie? That's what I'm saying. She was female Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Okay, someone asked us our thoughts on Melania Trump's funeral attire. For those who don't know, she attended Rosalind Carter's funeral. Rosalind Carter, fellow first lady herself. Um, Melania did not show up in black, but showed up in a sort of gray, white, boucle type situation. I don't know what it was. It's giving the funeral equivalent of that I really don't care do you jacket that she wore when she was (laughs) first lady. She should have just worn that again. Is it appropriate to wear any color that's not black at a funeral? No, no. Wearing anything but black to a funeral unless it is specified on the invite is crazy. Yeah, I love how some comments were like, oh, I guess Melania Trump's not on the first lady group chat. It's like, you don't need to be on a group chat to figure out what you're wearing to a funeral. (laughs) This is mental illness right here. Like, this is crazy. Given her choices for Christmas decorations when she was in the White House, is this all that surprising? I think that nothing can shock me, but I do think this is shocking. Next question. What did you think about Corrine Reutfeld's apartment and architectural digest? Wonderful question for an audio medium. Uh, It's great. Yeah, but it's exactly what I expected it to look like. Like if someone asked me what does her apartment look like, it's this exactly. There's definitely a masculine energy to it, but there's a lightness. It's minimalist but also there are personal touches she has a lot of black and white photographs there's just a lot of black in general and a lot of like as you would expect insane portraits of her everywhere would you have a sad painting of yourself sort of smoking now that was cool that i would have so this was an architectural digest which also featured alessandro michele's apartment which again is exactly what you would think it would be yeah Although I was surprised at how extreme it is, I guess. It does look like an antique store. Barbara Streisand would actually live for this apartment. 
There's so many tchotchkes. No, Barbara Streisand would go in there and I think actually pilfer stuff from his place. She'd be confused and like think it was an antique shop. I was like, how much are you offering that uh, 17th century painting for? Yeah, this apartment is very like vintage apothecary vibes. How haunted do you think his apartment is based on all of these antique objects? I would say very haunted. There's a lot of souls trapped in these tchotchkes. <laughs> Yeah, someone should make like an escape room inspired by this apartment. <laughs> oh, I love this question. Someone asked, no context, are boat neck shirts lesbian adjacent? I don't think they're lesbian adjacent. If I see a man in a boat neck shirt, though, I assume that he's gay. Like a man in a little boat neck giving like death in Venice vibes. Yeah, I was gonna say, have you seen many men in boat neck shirts? I do every once in a while. Boat necks make me think of the late 90s, and that makes me think of friends. Like when I think of a boat neck, I think of something like Monica would wear, and that's all very straight to me. Yeah, but a boat neck could also be like French New Wave vibes. That's true, and there's nothing gay about that. <laughs> true. This was also very cute. Someone asked, if you had a Romeo Michelle-esque store, which brands would you stock? What would you stock? I mean, Vivian Westwood, of course. Deadstock Betsy Johnson. Love that. We would somehow discover <laughs> in a dead mall somewhere in the Midwest, a Betsy Johnson store where they just never cleared out the inventory from 2002. Oh, God, I would give anything to go back to an old Betsy Johnson store. Travel back in time, you know? It truly was the most magical place on earth. When you're like a 12 or 13 year old girl in the 90s. I'm trying to think of an equivalent. It wasn't just the clothes though. It was the environment. It was the hang tags. It was the little signs and all that stuff. So basically what we're saying is we would just make our store <laughs> an old Betsy Johnson store. <laughs> you know when you go into the Sunset Tower and they have all those curated vintage fashion books and old books about Hollywood? I feel like mm -hmm. we would have a... A huge collection of curated old books. So we're basically just making Maxfield with a Betsy Johnson pop-up inside it. This sounds incredible. I don't know <laughs> what you're talking about. What labels would you stock? That's what I was interested to hear. I guess like all this stuff that just like is only sold at Dover Street Market, but I just don't want to go there because it's across town, you know? You can't get like Simone Rocha without going to the Arts District. That's so classy to refer to downtown as across town. <laughs> All that across town traffic on the 101. <laughs> it's basically everything we would wear or would want to wear, I think. I think you would have a, a wall of tabbies, of course. But also, if we're Romeo and Michelle, that means like we have our own line. Yeah. Yes, that would also be part of it. I love this hypothetical <laughs> future for us. Actually, if I was to open a store, I would want to just have like a bookstore slash like tchotchke store. Like you can buy a book, you can buy a trinket tray, you can buy a bookend. I think a huge impact that Marc Jacobs and his plethora of stores that we took from that is the ability to walk into a store and have something at every price point. So if you can't afford a $2,000 jacket because who can on, on the regs or at all, there's like a little tchotchke thing you can get to remember your experience by. Fuck it. All I want is the Marc Jacobs special item store back. 
I know where I would want a store if we had a store too. If you've ever driven down Fairfax past the Grove, there's an old gas station that's just been unused for 30 years. Oh God, having a store in a gas station is the most Los Angeles thing ever. Are you saying this because you've driven past on Highland, the former 1950s gas station that's a mobile drive-through Starbucks? Oh, I love that Starbucks. No, I was thinking of the Ralph Lauren store that's like in an old haunted garage or something or like the Ralph Lauren jeans on Melrose it's also catty corner to the improv so like those are two vibes I never want intersecting which is like (laughs) improv comedy and fashion you know we can't have improv anywhere near our store (laughs) oh but you know what I also want my store to be like Fiorucci like I want it to be a real destination I want there to be a cafe oh ooh. Our store could be like Biba. I was just going to say, how long is it going to take you to reference Biba? Well, and I think that that's where a lot of the Betsy Johnson stuff came from, too. Yeah, we just need this upstart capital to start a store. Yeah, who wouldn't want to invest in this (laughs) chaotic nightmare of a store? Yeah, who doesn't want to run their own physical small brand store in the era of essence? Although, to be fair, every outfit is a much more logical name for a store than a podcast. That's true. Although we would have annoying tourists that would come into the store and be like, hey, do you have so-and-so? And And we'd be like, no. And they would be like, well, it's called every outfit. Wow. All right, that died. (laughs) Shall we talk about some Sex and the City news? Sure. We should talk about how Frances Sternhagen, who played Bunny McDougal, died at 93. R.I.P. I think what's funny to me is in her obituaries, what other people have listed her as, like her other credits that aren't Bunny McDougal. It's like, cheers, actress. Misery actress. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, I completely forgot about the fact that she was the wife of the cop in Misery. It's funny. Sky News has chosen to describe her as veteran character actress, also appeared in hospital drama ER, playing the role of Dr. John Carter's grandmother. It's like, she was Noah Wiley's grandmother in ER? She will live on in all of our Sex in the City rewatches until the end of time. And evidently ER and Cheers as well. So we also got several questions asking us our thoughts about Cynthia Nixon's hunger strike. Yes, for those of you who are not aware, Cynthia Nixon is a few days into her hunger strike, her five-day hunger strike. Is she in front of the White House every day? That I don't know. She certainly was the other day where she explained her reasonings for hunger strike. We'll play the clip here. We are hunger striking um, as a way of amplifying that yes that Palestinians are being bombed and killed but they're also being starved and so many of them are on the brink of of starvation you know this is almost 15,000 Palestinian civilians 70% of them are children and women have been killed in the last seven weeks this is unprecedented this is more people than were killed in by the U.S. and its allies in 20 years of war in Afghanistan. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah, I support her. The amount of civilian deaths in Gaza is horrifying and heartbreaking. And while I'm not surprised that she's speaking up about this because she is Cynthia Nixon, there could be very real professional repercussions for her. Yeah, I mean, the conspiratorial part of me and a little bit of a hater wonders if she is doing this, uh, perhaps so she won't be asked back for and just like that. Okay, that is insane. But yeah, I wonder because with... um, 
what's her name, Melissa Barrera, being fired from Scream for posting pro-Palestine content, it does feel like it's not out of the question. And that's fully crazy because I honestly just don't understand how they can make another one of those movies without her. I posted an article about Cynthia's hunger strike on our Instagram stories, and I knew I would get angry DMs because of it. But one of them just said, disordered eating promotion is not the mood. And I was like, wow, this is my 13th reason slash my new Roman empire. Yeah, I don't know how to respond to that. And then I was going through like the comments on the post that The Cut did about this. And someone was like, she's probably just doing this to try and hide her ozempic use. And it's like, whoa, that (laughs) is so... So mental. These deranged comments make me feel better about my own deranged conspiratorial (laughs) takes. And what does that say about me? Nothing good. We should also mention, in a bit of a lighter note, Cynthia Nixon has been on this week's Celebrity Jeopardy. Yeah, what a big week for our girl. She did lose in what the New York Post is calling an embarrassing history clue flub, which, to be fair, we would have fucked it up too. No, I definitely would have lost all my money. What was it? Yeah, the clue was under unique buildings. It read, despite 17 and a half miles of hallways, you can walk anywhere in this Virginia building within about five minutes uh, due to its concentric layout. I could not understand what Cynthia had guessed based on her writing, but the correct answer was the Pentagon. I would have never gotten that in a million years. And honestly, I don't get anything on Jeopardy ever unless it's a pop culture category. No, that's a divide that you and I are not a part of. There are Jeopardy people and non-Jeopardy people, and we're on that non-Jeopardy side of things. Yeah, I'm on the, like, I don't know shit about geography side of things, and I feel like that's all Jeopardy is. Even the New York Post is having a hard time figuring out what she wrote. They write in this article, Nixon revealed that she scribbled something that looked like, quote, VA hospital. Okay, we, we do have other Sex and the City questions that don't involve Cynthia Nixon. Do you ever think Charlotte and Harry talked about how she wanted to bang his partner? I've never thought about that before. Yeah, that's awkward. Yeah, but that was like a passing crush. That's like when you meet someone, you're like, oh, he's hot. She chose Harry because that was the best sex of her life and she could be herself around him. Because he was ugly hot. I like to think that every few years, Charlotte and Harry like to restep how their relationship started. And I think it begins with when they sit down in Trey McDougal's family apartment and they go, huh, isn't that crazy that we met because I was your divorce lawyer? Here's what I more wonder about, actually. Do they tell others how they met, which is that Harry was her divorce attorney? It's too good of a story. It's the kind of story that is awkward, like, in the beginning of your relationship. But once you've been together for a while, it becomes, like, a really good story. I wonder if Harry uses that to, like, bolster his divorce attorney bona fides or something. Where he's like, I'm such a good divorce attorney that I represented a woman and then I married her. And we also got asked favorite Sarah Jessica Parker Met Gala look. I think that's a no-brainer, which is her McQueen look from the, which one was that? It was 2005. It's the Anglomania tradition and transgression in British fashion. What's crazy is that she went to the Met Gala in 1995 and never went to a Met Gala during the run of Sex and the City. Her next appearance is at the 2006 Met Gala where she walked alongside Alexander McQueen. Yeah, I think that's not only her best moment, but one of the best moments in the history of the event. I was going to say, for me, it's a toss-up between her look for the punk show or the Catholic imagination. 
I think I like any show where she's wearing like a really tall Philip Tracy hat. Shall we move on to some friendship-related questions? Absolutely. We know a, a thing or two about friendship. Best and worst thing about running a podcast slash business with your friend? Not to be pithy, but it's just the fact that you're running a business with your best friend is the best part, and the worst part is you're running a business with your best friend. <laughs> like... I think the best thing is that if you fuck something up or if you need like a mental health day or something, like it's not a big deal and doesn't matter. I don't know if I have a worse thing. Like sometimes we obviously get annoyed at each other, but whenever that happens, I remind myself it's like, no matter what your working situation is, there will always be someone who oppresses you from time to time, you know? And I'd rather it be you than like some bosses I've previously had. I feel like I'm being talked at by Kourtney Kardashian, where it's like, you know, when you're a piece of shit, I just think about like, there's pieces of shit everywhere. And if I'm gonna be treated like shit, I'd rather it be by you. I love this question, which is, I'm interested in how Chelsea gets away with doing no ads. <laughs> I used to. Another thing, I think this ties back to uh, the best and worst thing about running a podcast business with your friend is that we each have elected things we just don't like doing, and we've abdicated our responsibility. For me, <laughs> I do not like coming up with the episode titles or writing the episode descriptions. We have a division of labor, guys. Surprisingly, having a podcast, there's so much shit that you have to do that has nothing to do with like us sitting here and recording the podcast, you know? It's actually surprising. We don't have a producer and we don't have a larger podcast network, so that stuff falls to us. But I don't know. I had a background in advertorial marketing. Well, you deal with more of the production and the business stuff, and I do more of the like social stuff, the design-related stuff. It all equals out. But to answer your question about Chelsea's not getting away with doing no ads. <laughs> it's just that she does stuff I don't want to do, and you don't like doing the ads. It also is cumbersome. <laughs> well, it's worse when there's both of us, I think. Doing the ads, they definitely take twice as long. They're twice as bad. I also have to write copy for two people. Yeah, spoiler alert, guys. There's scripts when we write. As if they don't know that. Nothing sounds more fucking scripted than when we do have a script. But... You know, exciting news for the future. We have a new ad network and we might be doing a touch more ads than we did before. So you, we, I might pull you back in. Because <laughs> my thing is like, I think two ads, me just doing two ads is good. But once it gets into like three ads, I will pull you into them. But don't worry, guys. Dipsy uh, just keeps re-upping. So... Lauren's audio erotica ads aren't going anywhere anytime soon. Okay, have you ever been fired? You didn't want to do this question because you're like, I've never been fired. And I was like, oh, I have. Okay, who fired you and from what? So when I graduated Parsons, I could not get hired. I graduated in 2010 and, you know, one could not get arrested in the fashion industry at that time. So four or five months after I graduated, like a friend of a friend of a friend recommended this like off-brand tr trend forecasting agency. And it was like, I basically was a permalancer. How Hannah Horvath of you. That's why I couldn't watch that show <laughs> at first. After the training week, I came in and at the end of that week, 
at the end of the day, the person, and by the way, it was a, it was pre WeWork, but it was just this woman and I in like a proto WeWork. And she was like, Hey, can I talk to you in the conference room? And it was like the end of the day on Friday. And I was like, Oh, I'm getting fired. I don't know why I'm getting fired. She was like, yeah, this isn't working out. And I started to do the spiel of like, well, you know, and she just put her hand up and she's like, I've made my decision. There's nothing that you can say. I've always carried that lesson moving forward of like, there are some situations you can't talk yourself out of like you just have to accept the reality this is a very girls-esque episode I have to say <laughs> my friend Emily Green was like I'm gonna go see some music like let's take your mind off of this like come out with me I was like oh okay I go and see this uh band play and as I'm walking out this guy who I had been seeing for several weeks walks hand in hand with another girl. Oh, wow. That's very girls. And that's why I decided to be a degenerate podcaster and never <laughs> have a boss again. You're fired, Lauren. <laughs> oh, shit. Advice for making friends in your 30s. Just don't do it. Choose loneliness. No, my answer was going to be make them in your 20s. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like as I've gotten older... I feel like the friends that I've made are actually through other people, like other acquaintances, and then I meet this person, and then I just become more friendly with them. So I guess my advice is like, go to every random acquaintance's dinner party, what have you, and you'll probably meet someone there. See, I feel like you should utilize Instagram. Slide into the DMs, but platonically? I have made a lot of friends through the internet in one way or another. We become friends with Carly because of the Instagram. Paul was like, how did you meet Carly? I'm like, through the Instagram. Our colorist, Casey Carhart, who's become our friend, we went to dinner. Met her through Instagram. Okay, this question tickled us. Keys to navigating your friendship from across the queer straight divide over time. Well, I try really hard to not eat Lauren's pussy and, you know... Some days I wake up and I'm like, I can't do it today. I can't do it again. But you know what? I hang in there because I do what I have to do to maintain this friendship. <laughs> you did say something the other day where you're like, I'm just not attracted to straight women. And I was like, oh, that explains it. Except for apparently Meredith Marks and what's her face? Lisa Barlow. You want to answer some relationship questions? Yes. Lauren, will your wedding be live streamed for the fuckettes? Yes, we're going to open up a new Patreon level <laughs> and we'll live stream the wedding. I think that was a serious question. This is an interesting thing. On my engagement post, I, I loved how many fuckettes were like, hi, I don't know you. I'm just like parasocially involved in your life. And I love the self-awareness. Yeah, I think I have to post a little something, a little video for the VIPs at some point. Yeah, I agree. Or if you don't want to do your wedding, we can just do some like bachelorette party BTS content or something. Someone asked, Chelsea, what vibe or theme are you going for for Lauren's bachelorette party? Erotic Marvel characters. <laughs> Go on. Dress as your favorite slutty Avenger? Sure. Do you want a theme? Or can our theme just be like, we're going to Vegas? Paul's mother asked me, she goes, what's your color theme for the wedding? And I was like, I don't know. Am I supposed to have a color theme? Am I supposed to have themes for my bachelorette parties? Well, you're yeah, you're supposed to have a color theme for your wedding. Duh. All right, black and cream? Great. Oh, can I wear a black dress? Of course. 
course. Perfect. That's your matron of honor dress. <laughs> Thank God. My dad did text you. We do have a group chat between the two of us and my father. And he was like, I'm in for this. Flash mob. Yeah, flash mob. No, but the real answer is we've both wanted to see Dita Von Teese perform for a really long time. And just for whatever reason, have never. We noticed she has a residency in Vegas. So we'll probably do that. And, and like, do you want to see like Thunder from Down Under? Or I've also heard there is a section of a larger strip club that is just men and it like it is occupational stuff like sexy firemen sexy police sexy veterinarians here's what i think is very on brand for us i think doing thunder from down under and then we go to a titty bar spearmint rhino it is that is the key to navigating your friendship from across the the queer straight divide (laughs) you go to a male review and then you go to a female strip club i love this someone asked need details about chelsea's new zealand wedding so tad and i got married a little over six years ago we got married in new zealand not because we were trying to plan like a fab destination wedding we couldn't get married in the united states because tat had come into the country too many times and falling in love with you and we couldn't get married in australia because gay marriage was not legal at the time which is very shocking Yeah, what's even more shocking is that it was legalized because they put it to a public vote. Can you fucking imagine? Anyway, so we went to Queenstown. Yeah, it was a very small, intimate wedding. We got a nice hotel suite and just got married there. And it was just us, our families, and a few of Tat's closest friends who had come from Australia because that's obviously less of a trek. Yes, this was an impromptu wedding, which is why I wasn't there. Yeah, it's a crazy amount of travel to get there from California, for sure. Love this. How bad is it to be seeing a man older than you? All right. By 40 years, but you actually like him. (laughs) 40 years, 40 years is a lot. Your parents have a large age gap. You have an age gap in your current relationship, but 20 plus is the limit. Yeah, like a quarter of a century. A quarter of a century, unless you're marrying a billionaire. But what are the ages that these people could be? So it's like she's 25 and he's 60? Is she 35 and he's 75? Or... Oh, she's 40 and he's 80. (laughs) That one sounds good. (laughs) That sounds like a great plan. How to feel okay when your ex is getting married? It's a very relatable question. However, this person added was an age gap relationship. As we've mentioned previously, not a problem for us. I'm 22 and he's 34. We want to answer this because actually we have questions. How old were you when you dated this person? (laughs) You've presumably dated for a minute. You broke up. He had enough time to get in another relationship, find someone to marry. So let's say that's a year or two. Or, I mean, in Miranda Hobbs' case with that friend of hers. Remember, Miranda's interior decorator and that guy that came back from London, they only dated for a month, which when I watched that initially as an adolescent, I was like, oh yeah, that just happens sometimes. And now as an adult, I'm like, that's fully fucking crazy. (laughs) How to feel okay. Your great love 
if not loves, are ahead of you. What are you, a fucking oracle? Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that I am. Well, but also, I mean, at 22, you have a lot of life left to live. A lot of dicks yet to ride. We ride at dawn. <laughs> Someone asked, cool, low-key, but not annoying way to announce your pregnancy on Instagram. I think you have only one choice, which is... You wait till you give birth and then you announce you've had a baby. Or you just take a photo of the positive pregnancy test and then just write, fuck my life is the caption. Oh, or you do a fake paid partnership post with Clear Clear Blue. Blue. (laughs) That would actually, that would be so funny. Actually, the most iconic pregnancy reveal that we've ever seen was our friend Andy, who did not reveal that she was pregnant on Instagram, she only told people if she was seeing them in person. Right, okay, the better context of this story is it's before you moved here, you were visiting, and it was like, oh, let's drop by and see Andy, and I texted her, and she was like, yeah, here, come over. And she opened the door, and we looked at her, and there is that moment you have when you see pregnant people where you're like, do I say something, do I not say something? And so, we just stared. I'm sure it was only a few <laughs> seconds, but it was one of those. It felt like an eternity. Yeah, it was one of those moments in life where you're like, "Do I?" And she was like, "I'm pregnant." We were like, "Oh," <laughs> and we were like, "What the fuck?" We didn't see anything about this, and she was like, "Oh yeah, no, no, no. Um, we've made the choice to only tell people who we happen to see in person that we're pregnant, which is like weirdly iconic. So basically, don't post on Instagram. <laughs> don't post. Don't let anyone. Option. Don't let anyone know. We had some every outfit questions. Would you write a another book probably no because since starting a podcast we've learned that saying words instead of writing down words so much easier yeah writing down words too hard although we had an amazing editor kate napolitano we love you if we ever wrote a book it would be with you before we pitched that book we did pitch a satirical fashion book about red carpet fashion but no one wanted to make it because it had nothing to do with sex in the city and would be very expensive to pay for the hundreds of images that it would require right it was called infamous and you're missing the best part which is completely from your genius brain which was it was telling the story of red carpet fashion through the worst dress list yeah through fashion faux pas basically Basically, your point was like, everyone dresses like Cher now on the red carpet. I feel like at the time that we originally pitched it, it would have had a lot more of an impact because now truly everyone dresses like this. You know, everyone dresses like Lil' Kim or whoever. Well, I mean, this goes back to kind of our point we made before of like book v podcasting because another question we got is, are you guys going on tour? Come to Australia, come to London, come to LA, come to New York. And I'm here to tell you, we are. Yeah, we, we're working on well, it. Well, we think we are. We have some dates that we might announce soon. For the East Coast and London, we hear you. I would love to go to London, but we've subsequently learned that London will only give us dates if they see how well the East Coast is selling. And Australia, we see you, we're figuring it out. When we go on tour, it won't be a live version of the podcast. No, that would be terrible. We will write a show, but I think we can put some bits from Infamous into whatever this show is going to be. We can repurpose some of our old unseen material. Perfect. Work smarter, not harder. Or we could do like a sort of cabaret situation with like song and dance. Like Luann Delisev's? Why not? She's proven you don't really have to be able to (laughs) sing to do a cabaret show. That is not a dig. 
I say that as an aspirational thing, as someone who cannot sing. Look, somehow Rosie O'Donnell played Rizzo on Broadway. Anything is possible. All right, Chelsea, this question is for you as you're the, uh, I'm going to say it now, you're the chief creative officer of our company. (laughs) Uh, When is new merch coming? Next year. We haven't done merch in ages and we're putting a lot of thought into the design and production. So it's coming. It's hard though, because it's like, I can't figure out where we should stop. Like in the product categories? The monster in me just wants like sewing tags, branded mailers. But then the reality is that we would make minus $10. That's why we got to increase our podcast ads. That's why you got to come back, start doing podcast (laughs) ads so that we can sell merch to make no money, but it will be beautiful. Yeah. And then also we got a bunch of questions about my movie, which was so heartwarming to see that people give a shit. I called my producer because we're in the, to answer everyone's question, we're in the throes of of post-production. We're a few weeks away from the movie being done. And I was like, look, all this bullshit is worth it. The, The movie hasn't even come out yet. And there are people who would like to see it. So it's in sound and color right now. And so you have no answer is what you're saying. We've submitted to film festivals. I have no control over that. I have no pull to get into film festivals. So it's really like a hope and a prayer. And once the movie is done, we can shop it around to sales reps who will sell the film hopefully to a streamer. And yeah, the need is to sell the film. The want is to go to film festivals. But what if you sell it to like, I'm trying to think of the worst streamer. What do you think is the worst of all of them? If any of them pay even a dollar more than the budget, I think they're all great. (laughs) (laughs) No, I mean, of course, it coming out on a Netflix, a Hulu, it would be amazing. But not a Paramount Plus. What about Max? Max should be the dream. Uh, Yeah, that would be major. I mean, I have previously said that Apple TV is where things go to die. But look, if they buy it, that's great. Could you imagine if it was like number one morning show, number two, good girl, (laughs) most watched things. The answer to everyone's questions is it's coming, tour, coming, March, coming next year, movie, coming next year, 2024, a big year for us. Yeah. And then who would we be even in a mailbag episode if we didn't answer some things about the Kardashians? Kardashaholics Anonymous. This is a case for the FBI. You're just a witch, and I hate you. No one asked this, but I do want to know your thoughts about this Jennifer Lawrence-Kylie Jenner interview. I think that Jennifer Lawrence is great at interviewing people. (laughs) She's great at interviewing the Kardashians. I don't know if you ever saw, she filled in for Jimmy Kimmel once and she interviewed Kim and asked the questions we all want to hear, which is like, do you also think that Reggie Bush married a woman that looks ungodly like you? In this one, she asked about Jordan. Which is, they never really stop being friends. Just because you don't see it on TV doesn't mean that they stop being friends. That's what I also love about this interview is there's so much about Hollywood that we don't see in paparazzi photos. Like the idea that Jennifer Lawrence just casually goes over to the Kardashians house or like they wanted to meet up in Paris because they were both there for fashion week. Like that's the stuff that that sustains me. Well, if celebrities are spotted out with each other, it's because they want to be spotted out with each other. Yeah, we really do need to go to Sushi Park. Here's what we need to do, Chell. 
We need to go to Sushi Park. We need to hire those fake paparazzi you can hire to take <laughs> photos of us leaving Sushi Park. That's great. We need that second floor railing photo that we always see. The part that I'm obsessed with in this interview is when Jennifer Lawrence is like, you and Kendall are so different. You and me, we're Leos. We're happy, excited golden retrievers. And Kendall, of course, is a Scorpio like our mother, Kris Jenner. Also, I love when she asked her, like, do you just have miniature Italian greyhounds because they remind you of Kendall? Yes. <laughs> she goes, yes, that's part of it. I love seeing little Kendalls run around. And I think they're just funny. And they make me smile. Jenner goes, I need dogs that are skinny and fast. I was also obsessed with this part where Jennifer Lawrence was like, what is your morning like? And she was like, oh, I get up, I get coffee. And Jennifer Lawrence stops her and she's like, is coffee just there or do you go down to the kitchen? She's like, I go down to the kitchen. I get my coffee from King's Road Cafe. And Lawrence goes, you walk to King's Road, which is like, for those who don't know, King's Road Cafe is a breakfast spot that is on Beverly Boulevard near the Beverly Center, which is nowhere near either of Kylie's houses. So one presumes that she has an assistant drive to Mid-City, pick up a King's Road coffee, and have it waiting in her kitchen. As someone that has gone to King's Road Cafe, it's like like it's nothing to write home about. Like it's a solid restaurant if you just want to get a casual lunch or something. But I don't want anyone to like think that this is some like hipster Los Angeles like coffee situation. It did send me down a rabbit hole and I did go to the King's Road Cafe website because I was like, wait, do they make their own coffee? And she's just talking about buying the beans. And they do make their own coffee. But again, to your point, there's better coffee. All this is going to do is make King's Road Cafe like a viral TikTok spot, which I do love. This is the way that we could keep our history in Los Angeles, like our Barney's Beanery, our Saddle Ranch, our King's Road Cafe. It's just making them TikTok popular. <laughs> It's true. And now Casa Vega. I mean, it is a good backdrop for an Instagram photo. So, of course, it would be popular again. And then lastly, someone asked our thoughts of Kim and Ivanka being friends. And my answer is, yeah, that checks out that they're friends. Yeah, they're from the exact same generation of heiresses, essentially. When you're that rich, it transcends politics, religion, all that shit. You're just very wealthy. Yeah, which is why Ellen DeGeneres like went to that football game with George W. Bush. It's about money, honey. I think it's worth noting that Kim has basically said, like, I'm a Republican. I mean, obviously, being an activist for prison reform, that is a very progressive cause, but... It's all the I'm socially liberal, fiscally conservative type of people. All right, that concludes our mailbag episode. I had fun. I don't know about you. I had fun too. We should answer a ton of random questions more often. YOLO. All right, but praying that some pop culture stuff happens by the, <laughs> by next week so we can talk about it. Well, next week we will have seen May-December. That's true, and I'm going to Saltburn Friday night. Stop DMing us asking to see it. I get it. I've seen all of the TikTok responses of people leaving the screenings of Saltburn. Absolutely shocked. I have no idea what's going on with this film. I'll see it too. I don't know why you wouldn't want to see it. The hottest man alive, Jacob Elordi's in it. Yeah, but is he hotter? Okay, this is what I want to know. What movie is he hotter in? This or Priscilla? I'll let you know after Friday. All right, guys. This has been wonderful. We'll see you next week. I love you, Chelsea. Bye. Bye. Bye.